0: following takes place between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. Everybody and welcome to the Thursday edition of Full Press Coverage Radio Live. We are just flying through this week. That is championship matchup, championship Sunday coming up this weekend. So, without further ado, I would like to bring in my co-host. He is the man. He is Mister Mister Rhode Island, coined by me and only me. But I'm gonna make it a, a thing here uh, across the country. Everyone will know him as that. But without further ado, Mister Mike Debate. How are we doing today?
1: La, la, la. Doing well, my friend. Thursday morning, absolutely. Mm. Championship week, a lot of different stuff going on in the world of sports. A lot to cover, always a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it,
0: my friend. Yes, we had some very unchampionship-like technical difficulties, so we are starting a little late today, so I'll uh, I will get I'll get right to the point. So, obviously, yesterday we took a, a long look at... Um, The NFC Championship game, we brought on Kyle Sunder, our FPC Packers and Fantasy Football managing editor, and we talked a lot about that. We listed our top five players in the game, talked about some of the the matchups coming into it. Um, We will do the same today, but only this time. For the AFC side of things, so we're going to talk Titans and Chiefs with uh, our FPC Chiefs managing editor Braden Holochek, who will be joining us here shortly. Um, we're hoping to get him on around eight twenty or so, and we will uh, kind of jump right into that. But um, of course, as we do every day, we kind of we kind of talk about some of the news and headlines around the around the NFL, and um, you know the uh, the one place I do want to start real quick, uh, just a, a brief mention of it is um, you know we. Obviously, anyone who knows us personally, or at least listens to the show to to some extent, knows that we're we're wrestling fans. So, um, sad news yesterday was Rocky Johnson at age seventy five passed away. And uh, if you if you aren't familiar with wrestling, and you and you hear that name, you're like, oh, it kinda sounds familiar. Well, he is the uh, the father of. Mr. Dwayne Johnson, as we all know, as The Rock and and one of the biggest, uh, you know, movie stars uh, out there now. So, um, you know, sad news. It didn't seem, it seemed like it was kind of, uh, apparently it came on quickly. Um, You know, he was sick uh, for about a week. They didn't say what exactly was the cause of death, but uh, it seemed like he was under the weather. And then it just kind of, uh, un- unfortunately took his life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sad because he was a, um, he was certainly a pioneer. Obviously he has a famous son, but, um, before his son was famous, I mean, he was famous and he was, you know, he was kind of the man. He was part of one of the first, uh, uh, African-American tag team WWF champions. Um, the first actually. Uh, so it, going back with the Tony Atlas in uh, 1983. So, you know, this was a, you know, this guy was a legend in the wrestling world and community, and um, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2008. So sad
1: news from the wrestling world very sad news from the wrestling world and uh you know it, uh, most people like you said Ian they're going to remember Rocky Johnson as Dwayne's dad as the Rock's father but mm-hmm. the legendary career that he had in WWE and of course WWF back then was truly amazing he was a part of the first African American tag team champions with Tony Atlas these are things that people don't forget and anybody that grew up during that era that was before my time yes folks there actually was <laughs> something that was before my time but that was a little bit before my yeah, time you hear a lot Leafs, of the uh, stories, the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's not the only other thing, but uh, um, basically, when it comes to his his legacy and his own. Um, his own career and, and things that he did he truly was a pioneer in, in the world of wrestling in the world of sports entertainment so it's a big loss obviously our condolences go out to Dwayne his family um everybody that's feeling the loss today on a personal level that knew Rocky and, and loved him uh they're feeling it obviously the hardest and it's a it, it, there's never a good time or never an easy time to lose the ones you love let alone a parent um I feel for him this morning uh I you know I, I lost my dad over 10 years ago and it still hurts every single day so to you know to hear something like that and to see the kind words that he put out and the um just the sentiments that uh, that are pouring in it does it you you identify with it you sympathize with it but at the same time you celebrate the man's life and he really did have a uh, a remarkable career and a remarkable mm-hmm. life so um may he rest in peace and um you know, again, our condolences to the family without any question.
0: I mean, if there's a if there's a silver lining here, and, and this is something that obviously is 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 talked about uh, for those who follow wrestling pretty closely, and especially, you know, the stars of yesteryear and and how short a lot of their lives have been. I mean, we, you know, we, we play Randy Macho Man Clips all the time, but, you know, he's one of many wrestlers who have died at such a young age. So, you know, for, you know, obviously as sad as it is, it, it's, it's nice to know that, uh, a you know, a man that did this profession and did it back in the day, you know, lived a, a fairly long life um, as opposed to some of the other uh you know, folks that obviously suffered for many other things and, and lost their lives for various different reasons, um, at such a young age, I'm talking in their forties, you know, maybe getting to 50. So, um, you know, if you want to take a, a positive spin to this all, you know, the, the, the thing is, is he was able to stay around and he lived a fairly healthy, uh, life it seems. So, um, you know, sad news and, and certainly the, the wrestling community will, will continue to mourn it. So, uh, one of the other uh, bits of news that came out yesterday was uh, Cardinals wide receiver, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, Great white Buffalo. Yes, that's right. Great white Buffalo. Uh, (laughs) Larry, (laughs) Larry Fitzgerald. And and if, if anyone doesn't understand the reference, it's uh, basically the one that got away. And, and as, the both of us are are Patriots fans. Uh, his his link to that team has has felt like it's been there for for ten years. It just obviously never has come to fruition, and doesn't look like it will now. But um, he will be uh, playing for a 17th season, and uh, he's excited to be back. Signed a one year deal yesterday uh, to return to the Cardinals, and he expressed his excitement and his in how much joy he had in the rebuilding process that was ongoing with. Um, the uh, Cardinals this past season, and we've talked about it before about um, obviously the 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 complete one eighty from what they were uh, a year ago versus what they are now in terms of where they're heading with their future because it looked like they were lost last year. Now it kind of looks like they're you know they're they they look like they're good to go and they're they're going to improve every year. And Larry Fitz wants to be a part of that, so I, I'm excited to see him back. It's just you know again every time I think about it, I'm like hey, man the the what ifs what
1: what what could have been. <laughs> Oh, it would have been, and you know, you talk about the what ifs and we talk about, you know, hypotheticals and whatnot, and it's fun for us to be able to, to break that down, but when you look at a talent like Larry Fitzgerald pairing him with Tom Brady, I can't even imagine what that would have been like, especially if it was over a sustained period for a number of years and having him here in New England would have been an amazing thing. That type of outside threat that people have said that the Patriots haven't had since Randy Moss left would definitely not have been a concern. So there's always the what if game. I think that I don't think there's anybody that looks at that matchup between the two and said, oh, I don't think that would have worked out so well, or maybe the Patriots were better off. No, you can add a talent like that. You are better off. That would have been prolific. But unfortunately, we never got a chance to see it, and I don't believe we will get a chance to see it. I know there were some, you know, those big eye emojis that went around yesterday on Twitter when they said that he was coming back. It's like, oh, okay, well, can they entice... In Arizona to maybe you know trade him to New England. No, I don't think that's happening, folks. I think there's a lot of logistics that would uh, prevent that from happening. But you know, congratulations to uh, you know Larry on a great career, and it's good that he's coming back. Um, I still think he's got a lot to offer that young team and his abilities are only going to heighten guys like Kyler Murray and some of the young receivers and some of the young players on offense that they're going to bring in. So not only will he make an impact on the field, but I think he'll make an impact on the sidelines and in the locker room. And it's only good news for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I'd be thrilled
0: if I was a Cardinals fan, obviously not only for the the potential that this team has moving forward, but, you know, you you get Larry Fitch back. He's he's I'd say the equivalent of uh, you know, if you're a Patriots fan, maybe Tom Brady or uh, you know, really, Tom Brady, considering yeah. the uh, amount of time that, that he has spent with this organization. So um, to me, I, I, I'd be thrilled if I was a Cardinals fan, um, <laughs> you know, getting, uh, getting a chance to see Larry Fitzgerald for another year. And, and look, I mean, do we have any realistic uh, expectations that they win a Super Bowl Probably not. Uh, you never know. I mean, again, things can change overnight. And, and look, the, the San Francisco 49ers were 4-12 and a year ago. So, uh, you know, obviously things can change very quickly in the NFL. But, um, you know, that, that's the one thing he'll always be chasing. That, that'll be his... Uh, great White Buffalo is the Super Bowl championship, but at least he'll have uh, played a very long and, and and accomplished career when it's all said and done, and we're just lucky we get to get another year out of it. So uh, real b- briefly before we end up uh, pulling uh, Braden on here and talking some Chiefs and Titans, um, we, we talked yesterday uh, at, at some length about uh, the, the whole the MLB scandals from Houston to Boston to, um, you know, po- potentially now Carlos Beltran uh, being in the crosshairs. Uh, obviously, we talked about Alex Cora being fired last uh, yesterday. Um, A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau have already gone out of a- out of the Astros organization. And the only other player that was prominently mentioned that it <coughs> excuse me, apologize. Has pro- uh, prominently mentioned and uh, still a head coach, uh, or at least uh, still a manager, is Carlos Beltran. Now, he hasn't managed a single game for the Mets. However, uh, I would say there, there is a very strong likelihood that he never will. And I, I think people are just kind of right now waiting on pins and needles just to find out what, what eventually is going to happen to him. And uh, my, my gut tells me he will not be managing the Mets uh, for too much longer. Michael, are we there, Mike? No, Mike. Okay. Well, we cut out here for a second. So let me get, um, I'm going to try to get Brayden on here so you can, uh, talk some, talk some Chiefs and talk some Titans because we have a great matchup coming on, uh, coming up here, uh, this Sunday between those two teams for a right to go to Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl 54, which uh, <laughs> we're flying through the 50s. We're almost halfway through them already. So um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the Titans are able to um, – how are they how are they going to be able to uh, uh, combat this high-power Chiefs offense? And, and that's really the key for me is like what are they going to be able to do to stop Patrick Mahomes? What are they going to be able to do to slow down Tyreek Hill and, and, and all that? So – it's going to be interesting, and uh, we will certainly um, we will certainly find out at some point. So, uh, we are experiencing a couple technical difficulties. Uh, Where I'm going to try to get Mike back here on the phone. So. Oh, I guess we're going to hear this. Hey, Mike, there we go. There we go. Hey,
1: I have returned. Uh, Yes, I have returned. And by the way, I do agree with you on Beltran, too. I know we're (laughs) going to be bringing in Braden in just a moment. But uh, I I completely agree with you on Beltran. And I think, again, we talk about more shoes to drop. I still think there's more after this. I think this is going to be one of those stories that keeps just getting layers pulled back, and you're going to see more and more emerge uh, in this. So, uh, yeah, keep a sharp eye, folks, because we'll definitely be doing it. This is going to be probably the dominant story in Major League Baseball for at least the next month, if not beyond.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, and again, this is... <laughs> I warn people every uh, every day that, um, you know, that we've talked about this. You know, glass houses, my friends. You know, relax. You, you might want to not you know talk too much before you know all the information because again you know you never know what team's going to be next so um i again i i my my percentage that that uh (laughs) that beltran gets fired is probably like a hundred percent i mean i I really at this point there i don't see how they can just justify keeping him based on the actions of the other team so um do you think there's even a a slight chance that he returns or begins his career as mets manager
1: no, I don't believe so. I, I just don't see any way that it's possible. Not knowing all the information, the connections that he's had, and the way that everything else has happened. You look at you know what happened with the Astros and Hinch, and you take a look at what happened with the Red Sox and Cora. Mm-hmm. I just can't see the Mets allowing this season to begin with Beltran at the helm. So, no, I think this is going to be a very short-lived uh, tenure uh, for Carlos Beltran uh, in New York.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, this is going to be looked at as kind of a— <clears throat> You know, I I mean, again, we don't really know the end game to all this, like what eventually is going to uh, come of it, how many people are going to lose their jobs, how many teams had similar situations, and all that stuff is, you know, we assume is going to come to light over the next several weeks or so. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out, and we'll obviously keep updating it throughout the, you know, the investigations and all the breaking news and all that stuff. So, but... In the meantime, uh we do want to welcome in our first uh our only guest today, and that is uh Mr. Braden Holichek, our FPC Chief's managing editor. Braden, how are we doing this morning?
2: I'm doing good. How are you guys?
0: Uh not too bad, not too bad. I think I think Mike's still here. Mike? <laughs> nope, no, nope, we lost Mike. See er, er, sometimes when we connect with a guest, um, uh, Mike cuts out so <laughs> sometimes he's here sometimes he's not so I, I'm gonna get him back on the line here but uh, obviously we're bringing on Braden because our uh, big matchup this weekend we got the Chiefs we got the Titans for the right to go to Super Bowl 54. Uh, first off congratulations I was hoping for a uh, a, a different matchup but uh, I, I'm over it we're not going to bring it up <laughs> Patriots are enjoying their offseason and getting ready to uh, go back to Super Bowl 55 next year in Tampa, right in my neck of the woods down here. So, um, Braden, real quick, um, obviously I think the, the Chiefs come in as heavy favorites, um, and rightfully so. I think the Titans have, have obviously caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, what is your biggest concern as someone who follows the Chiefs? Uh, what is your biggest concern about the Titans and what they can potentially do to upset the Chiefs?
2: I think the biggest thing is probably Derrick Henry in the run game overall, but it's not just probably the running game. I think it's their team as a whole. They they really fight all sixty minutes, so it's going to take um, a full a full um, you know very determined game and and a very concentrated game to uh, take out Tennessee. I mean, the first time these teams met, Kansas City had the game won, and then you know you had the last couple minutes you let. Uh, you know, some bad play calling or a couple other things slip away. And, and then next thing you know, you uh, you lose that game in Nashville. So it's going to take all 60 minutes. I think that's kind of the biggest thing that I'm looking towards.
0: Yeah, and obviously one of the biggest differences from that game to this game is is uh, the quarterbacks uh, b- on both sides. I mean, at the time it was Alex Smith and, and uh, Marcus Mariota, I'm assuming, started that game, you know, because he was the last Chiefs quarterback. And, and by those rumblings on – excuse me on the other side of the mic I, I know my man uh mike is back in the
1: the mix so how you doing mike <laughs> i in, am okay, back in the okay, mix i going? have resurrected yes folks
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the, Braden, ha- thanks for joining us this morning buddy <laughs> yeah thanks for having me so I, Anytime. I
0: don't i don't know what uh what you caught of this uh, uh started the conversation here but uh, uh Braden was talking about derrick henry and obviously the russian attack against the chiefs and um I just started bringing up the fact that the quarterbacks are different the last time these two teams uh, met in the playoffs, and uh, they did meet this season, however, and uh, obviously, again, uh, I believe uh, this was another game that Patrick Mahomes missed. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I I don't have this in front of me.
2: Uh, that was actually his first game back from right. injury. Right, okay, all right.
0: That's that's what I thought. So, thirty. You know, I should have just looked at, well, 35-32. 30, so it was a high-scoring game, uh, certainly not something you'd expect from uh, the Titans, uh, especially considering what we've seen the last two weeks in the playoffs, where it's been, you know, run the ball, run the ball. Throw uh, you know at a bare minimum, but those throws are generally pretty effective. And of course, you know the ability for for Tannehill to, to pick up long yardage on third and long or whatever on his legs is, is also a possibility. So, um, what what do the what do the Chiefs have to do differently? Because again, I mean you you obviously studied and watched that game and and. You know, from afar, you're thinking, how how does this Titans team outscore the Chiefs thirty-five to thirty-two? It just it doesn't make sense, especially from what we've seen (laughs) recently. How you know what happened in that game, and what do the Chiefs have to do differently?
2: I think it's honestly just basic fundamentals. The Chiefs, I think, had two fumbles in that game offensively that they lost, and then uh, you know, I think the biggest thing was defensively was just not making enough uh, sure tackles. So uh, you're going to have to limit the missed tackles and make sure you. Uh, gain tackle somebody like Derrick Henry, or especially Ryan Tannehill, they let him uh, run loose and even run over a couple defenders in that game. So I think it's really the basic fundamentals, especially on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree. And um, Mike, were you going to say something? Sorry, I, I heard rumblings, and I wasn't sure if that was my headset just <laughs> freaking out or or, or a, uh, you know, a quick pause and a, an attempt to say something. So
1: no, familiar. I've actually, I've, I've just kind of been sitting back, oh. but uh, so as, long, <laughs> oh, as, as no. long as you're willing to give me the floor, of <laughs> oh, course, you know, I'll never miss it. an opportunity to talk here. Uh, Braden, uh, I think, uh, you know, great stuff. And, and we talk about a lot about how much this Kansas City offense is so prolific and they can strike so easily and they can really make things difficult on an opposing defense. The Tennessee Titans defense is playing at an elite level. Their front seven, their linebackers have been excellent in coverage so far in the first two games we've seen them in the playoffs. And their secondary has played at an elite level. Logan Ryan is one of those guys that Ian and I know very well from his time here in New England. His playoff prowess and experience is so big in being able to keep a quarterback off balance. The thing is, with Patrick Mahomes, you keep him off balance. It almost works to his advantage when you do that to him as well because he's so athletic and so prolific. When you look at the matchup for this Tennessee Titans defense, what worries you the most on offense with Kansas City about being able to match up and some of the matchups that they may see? Who on this Tennessee defense worries you and where do you think they, they can find holes to be exploited and get scores quickly on this team?
2: I think it's got to be Tennessee's front seven, specifically probably Harold Lendry off the edge and then uh, just uh, Jeffrey Simmons and Jarrell Casey in the middle. Um, You know, there's been times this year where there's certain games where the offensive line gets a little lax up front for Kansas City. So, again, kind of like I said earlier, it's going to take all 60 minutes just to be focused in. So, um, you know, Mahomes did a good job last week of extending plays. But um, if he has a cleaner pocket, I think that's where – Ah, uh, the offense really gets going and takes off. So, um, it's it's going to be it's going to be something where um, we're probably going to see some extra linemen at times, or some chips with Kelsey, or, or um, even the running backs. So that's kind of where I'm looking right now. Okay,
0: Actually, and and I'm I'm glad you mentioned the running backs. Uh, and I'm going to mention the running backs from Ken, uh, Kansas City. Uh, Damian Williams. Um, he had three touchdowns last week. It, it seems kind of strange because again, it, he's – you know, he's a good running back, he just, it, it, you know, when, you, when you're talking about the hierarchy of the Chiefs' offensive weapons, he's probably at the very bottom of the list, so no one's really thinking <laughs> about it. Um, do you expect that type of uh, success for him on the ground to continue against, uh, again, uh, Mike mentioned the front seven, you mentioned the front seven of the Titans, do you expect that type of success on the ground, and can he be a big difference maker for this Chiefs' offense, who, uh, again, is obviously loaded with weapons, so, but sometimes it's the unheard of guy that's going to make the big impact.
2: Honestly, I think if uh, he has a big impact, it may be more from the receiving game. That's kind of what we've seen uh, most in the playoffs the last two years. And I think I saw he has like uh, seven of his eight career touchdowns in the postseason or in the last two years. So um, just using him more in the in the passing game, I think, is actually going to be just as impactful. Uh, Definitely the Chiefs have struggled this year running the ball. But, um, you know, Williams has looked more healthy this year lately uh, than he was earlier in the year. So Again, if the Chiefs try to run the ball more, um, Williams looks determined to do it right now but yeah I think it's just gonna be more of a dual threat ability for Williams
0: mm-hmm. now I, I got I gotta ask you last week it's what two minutes into the second quarter it's 24 <laughs> nothing what do you, what do you think like what's going through your mind as obviously someone who uh, not only covers the chiefs and, and does a, a very very professional of course, you know. But as also a fan of the team, you know what 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 was going through your mind? I can tell you what was going through my mind, and, and that was never trust the Texans. I mean, just no matter what, never trust the Texans. So, um, I wasn't quite willing to go out. And I was I was making my jokes, but I wasn't quite willing to put myself out there. So, what were you thinking during that uh, during that rally, or right before the rally, and and. Were there very obvious things that you saw that needed to happen for the Chiefs uh, in terms of what they could do? Not necessarily breaks, obviously, but like things they had to change to make that comeback, because it's impressive no, ha- mo- no matter how you slice it.
2: I uh, once the defense started to make stops, I, um, like once the drops started to decrease, um, my biggest thing was thinking, you know, if they can just get to the fourth quarter and make it close, uh, they'll have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um so I didn't expect 28 points in the second quarter right there, especially that quickly, but um, just just get it close to the fourth quarter. I think they'll have a chance with this offense. And um, But, yeah, I mean, you talk about the fake punt uh, stopped by Dan Sorensen and then obviously yeah. the uh, kick return by Houston, the ball popping right out. I mean, just so much happened so quickly. Like you said, it, uh, you didn't see it coming. But um, just as long as they could get it going offensively, I thought they'd be okay.
0: Yeah, that, that actually reminded, and Mike I'm sure will uh, remember this game as well, um, there was a game the Patriots played against Miami back in 2010 and actually happened to be Randy Moss's last game in that game. They scored in every way conceivable, like that you could possibly score in a football game. And at one point it happened at like such quick succession. I mean, it was a punt return. It was a block return, you know, so I'm sitting here watching that. Like, this is exactly what, what happened in that game. Now, the big difference was the Patriots weren't down 24, nothing. So it was more of a, just a, a just a, a, a scoring party and it just went off. And you know, Again, the the big thing out of that game was was Randy Moss got traded the next morning or or, or that Tuesday after. But um, that's the thing. I I, I went off uh, a bit on on Bill O'Brien earlier this week because again I thought the the idea to to punt it away. Uh, or, or to fade, to run that fake punt was, was probably the stupidest decision of this entire NFL season because of the situation, uh, the opponent, um, where you were at in that game. It's like you were, you were still up 24-7. to 7. Um, It wasn't, you know, the wheels hadn't fallen off. Yes, you gave up a, a hefty kick return, but, you know, look, they were going to be able to score. Um, I actually commented, I think that was the screenshot that you uh, posted the other day that about Patrick Mahomes' throw, which... You know, it was a, you know, it was a quote unquote rub route (laughs) and again, (laughs) different terminology for different teams, but uh, it was a quote unquote rub route. But regardless, it was a beautiful throw, uh, the anticipation, timing, whatnot. That was really a kickstarter when you think about it, because it gave obviously the, the, the Chiefs some confidence having to finally get on the scoreboard. However, all the Texans had to do. And I'm not saying they still could have won this game. This still could have dragged out throughout the entire game, and the Chiefs could have returned and you know, re- you know, had to come back and won this game regardless. Just the way it happened was just such an indictment on Bill O'Brien and this team in general. But yeah, just to watch them make that decision and then immediately right after fumble the kickoff I was like well <laughs> that's it I don't I don't, I don't care what ha- I mean they're they're losing this game there's not a chance in the world that that the Texans can win." and look you got to give credit to the Chiefs because again they made the plays that that needed to happen and and as dumb as that fake punt decision was the the play by Sorensen to to make that tackle one-on-one was even bigger because look you know we're, we might be sitting here singing a different tune about that play because it was open I mean it was there but you know, Sorensen, again, made that split decision to uh, to obviously, uh, you know, attack uh, the fake, and, and he stopped him beyond the line, and here we are. You know, the te- Texans are once again sent right. home, uh, looking at another playoff disappointment. So, um, I don't even, even know if I had a question in there somewhere, if I planned on asking a question. I just kind of <laughs> went off and started thinking about Bill O'Brien again, so... Um, Yesterday, with uh, with FPC Packers uh, managing editor Kyle Center, we did our we we listed our five best players in this game, and I, and it was a fun exercise because we we kind of had you know some different opinions because we, we looked at this a little bit differently from different angles. Some you know we, we added a little bit more stock into to older players and so on and so forth. But um, we're going to do that again here today, and uh, you know Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot. Because I need a break from talking for a second. So I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to have you go first. And we're, you know, I screwed up uh, yesterday and I started with my my top player. Let, let's start number five and work our way down. Add a little suspense to this all. So, Mike, take it away, my friend.
1: All right. So, at number five, I have tight end Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, you have to give it to Kelsey in terms of being one of the most prolific receivers in all of football, he's capable of making plays in so many different ways. His blocking game has always been the Achilles heel. I think he's gotten better this year, and I will give credit where credit is due to Kelsey on that, and I think he has been a little bit better in that department. But in terms of being a weapon for Patrick Mahomes, definitely an amazing, amazing job by him this year. You saw his ability to be able to take the game on his back last week with uh, you know the, the connection that he has with Mahomes. So I go with number five. I go with Travis Kelsey. Uh, at number four, I go with Teron Matthew, the honey badger. I think he's been grassly underrated this year. I think really, I think snubbed of a pro Bowl appearance. And I think that he deserves to be in that category of being one of the better defensive backs in the league. You know, let's let's take a look. 75 tackles, 12 passes defended, four interceptions, two sacks in his first season with the Chiefs. I think he's helped this defense turn it around tremendously. They have a new attitude, and I think it's a lot because of Teron Matthews. So I look at him, and I put him at my number four position. At number three, this was a tough one because it was so tough for me to pick out a guy on that Titans defense that really, really has stepped up. I went with, and I know this is a cop-out, folks, but I went with Tennessee's front seven and being the best because oh. they play as such a cohesive <laughs> unit. I don't think it's it's really it's possible to pick one guy out of that lineup and say he's the reason why they play so well. They've been attacking. They've got after uh, you know Tom Brady. They bet- definitely beat the battles that they needed to win with the Patriots with their offensive line. They did the same thing in Baltimore, so I look for them to continue to do that in uh, Kansas City on Sunday, and I think that may end up being what turns the tide in this game one way or another. Number two, and this is probably going to anger Braden a little bit. Number two, I go with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, And that, I think, is probably a little bit of an eye-opener. Look, Mahomes is probably the most dynamic athlete in all of football right now. You can't deny what this kid can do when you give him the ball and you allow him to make plays and take the game over. There's few, if any, that are better in football right now than Patrick Mahomes. I think the only thing that gave me a little bit of reticence to put him in the number one position, and you can probably guess, folks, where I went with the number one position, is the fact that if that Tennessee front seven can get pressure on Patrick and they can win the battles with the offensive line, which Braden alluded to earlier, that could possibly neutralize what he's able to do. At that point, I look at Derrick Henry right now, and I don't see too many, uh, you know, holes in the uh, in the in the armor right now. When it comes to him against the Patriots, they tried funneling him toward the middle, toward the end of the game. It worked. They tried doing that in Baltimore, and it didn't work. Henry made those adjustments. I look at Henry, and I look at this Chiefs defense, and I see him being able to take the game over in terms of running the football. So. That's why I went, it's not necessarily that I believe that Henry is a better overall player than Mahomes. I went with impact on this game, and I think Henry is the guy that's going to have the biggest impact on whether his team succeeds or not. I still think Kansas City can have success, even if Mahomes isn't at 100%. If Henry gets neutralized, that really, really limits what Tennessee can do offensively. So that's why I went with Henry in the number one slot.
0: Yeah, no, that, that that's an interesting take. And again, that that's why we kind of left this kind of vague in terms of top five players because I think we all have a different interpretation. Because I can tell you right off the bat that my list is a little bit different, slightly different, some same players. Um, I I certainly didn't cop out like Mike did and, and and go for a whole defensive unit. You know, that's 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 not what I do.
1: I don't I don't cop out. Hey, you know what? I I follow the example of my team that set the standard of being introduced <laughs> oh, okay. in the Super Bowl right, as right. a Drake. team. There's no individuals here. It's all about the team. Touché, I stand by it salesman. to the death. Touche. That's right.
0: How <laughs> dare you influence <to laughs> my work? Look, I'm I'm, I'm speechless. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm without speech with right now. So. <laughs> I'm without speech. I, what can I say? That was a great comeback. I'm not going to dispute that, especially when you can relate it somehow to the Patriots' success. You had me there. So, um, you had me at being introduced as the team. Let's just put it that way. Um, so, without, I'll, I'll, I'll go next, and then I'll let uh, Braden uh, school us both because obviously he knows these teams, especially the Chiefs, a lot better than we do. So, um, absolutely. <laughs> I and again, when it comes to importance and when it comes to uh, uh, impact on this game, I think this kind of weighs heavily on my number five uh, player in this game, and I went with defensive tackle Chris Jones. And you know, this mm-hmm. is a question I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll let Braden elaborate on a little bit later because there's obviously some uncertainty uh, as to whether or not he's gonna be able to play. He obviously missed last week with the with the cat, I believe, is the calf issue. So we're gonna see if that. Uh, uh, you know, is well enough for him to go uh, this weekend. But um, his impact on this game in particular, and in particular, and slowing down uh, Derrick Henry uh, is paramount for the Chiefs' success. I don't think that they're going to be able to slow him down significantly without a guy like Chris Jones clogging, you know, clogging up the middle and making plays. So in this sense, and I mean, look, I, at the end of the day, he's a great player, anyways. But uh, I think in, in it. It's, in terms of of greatness and uh, importance to this game, um, I had to put him. I had to put him in this mix, and uh, you know the hard thing for me on making this list was like, you know, I was thinking, oh, should I keep it even? It's like, but it, I was I was heavily. Uh, pushed towards uh, the Chiefs in this game, and rightfully so. I mean, they're, they're 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 the obvious favorite. They're the home team, and you know they're they're littered with talent across the board, especially on offense, and and obviously on some on defense. Um, I did want to give uh, the Titans some credit though, and I, I like your selection of the Honey Badger, and I you know honestly I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think he's had such a huge impact on the secondary. Um, but in my number four spot, I went with AJ Brown, and this is a, and this is a guy mm-hmm. that. Uh, You know, for those of you who uh, follow the Patriots, like myself and Mike, he's, you know, he could potentially be, (laughs) you would talk about Larry Fitzgerald being the, you know, the great white Buffalo. Uh, A.J. Brown might eventually be that guy. Great white Buffalo. Yes. Um, You know, New England guy, uh, grew up in the area. Uh, Obviously, I think a lot of fans were kind of pining for him. Uh, you know, and it didn't work out that way, but he's he's kind of been he's, – he's had a really successful season, over a 1,000 yards receiving, and, you know, he's become a pretty important piece in this offense. Obviously, we talk about Derrick Henry a lot, Ryan Tannehill, of course, but, you know, A.J. Brown has become a pretty, you know uh, – Big impact type of receiver, and uh, he's certainly a guy I think is just it, it just flying up the ranks in terms of the uh, position ranking. So, uh, A.J. Brown, my guy. Uh, number three, Travis Kelsey. Uh, w- we sit here and knock him and, t- and talk about, you know, how much um, – you know, he's not as good as, as Gronk, and, and you know, he's just kind of a big receiver. And, and it's not a knock. I mean, he's great at what he does. I mean, four straight 1,000 yard seasons. Uh, you know, obviously three touchdowns last week. Uh, he always has an impact when he's on the field. So, uh, number three for me has got to be Travis Kelsey. Uh, number two. Uh, Derrick Henry, uh, for for a lot of the reasons Mike explained, I mean, he's just, his 377 yards so far in the two playoff games that he's played, he's been, you know, an important piece all season for the Titans, led the league in rushing. Um, obviously, he had played a crucial role in wins, upset wins against New England and Baltimore. Uh, Derrick Henry has to have... Um, the, the biggest impact on this game uh, from a Titan standpoint and everything else kind of flows through him and, and what they do on offense, um, along with A.J. Brown and obviously Ryan Tannehill. But, you know, for the most part, Derrick Henry is probably the most important piece, especially, again, in this game, because the more you run the ball, the more you keep the number one guy off the field. That's right. Matt Moore. Number one player in this game. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Um, I have obviously, I, I've, I've expressed how I felt about uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think he's a very good young quarterback. I do think there, there's, there's certain things he still has to learn, and that comes with experience. Um, I'll be interested to see if the Titans can get a lot of consistent pressure on him. And this, uh, you know, they're they're able to uh, hold the receivers in check. I'll be interested to see what kind of offense he can create from his arm. Because again, if there's any knock on him, or, or I don't even want to call it a knock, but uh, he's been afforded a, a nice uh, a group of receivers that that certainly help his success. And and again, a lot of it has to do with his talent, but. I'm going to be interested to see what what's going to happen with a defense that can really lock down receivers and really get after the quarterback and create some havoc back there because then, you know, when he's uncomfortable, that's, that's when you're going to really learn a lot about him and, 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 uh, you know, see if he grows from it. So it'll be interesting to see. So Brayden school us, tell us where we're wrong. And, uh, what, who are your top
2: five? Um, so five, I'm actually going to go with Frank Clark. He had three sacks last week and, um, one play was he actually covered 42 yards. So he's a guy that, you know, I mean, there's still that D Ford and Frank Clark uh, comparison out there. But I mean, the biggest thing is Frank Clark is a complete player and and the energy he brings to this defense uh, fits perfectly with Tyron Matthew and, and Steve Spagnuolo. So I think if he's able to get a lot of pressure in this game, um, we saw against the Patriots where. Sometimes where Tannehill had to roll out or face pressure, he threw up some ducks. So if he's able to get home in this game, um, I think he's going to have a big impact. Uh, number four, I I think I got to go to Travis Kelsey. I almost wasn't going to put him in this top five, but just the security blanket that he is for Mahomes. Uh, um, I think I, I just have to stick him in there again. Three touchdowns last week. Uh, there were some plays where, you know, just the anticipation from Mahomes, um, Kelsey turned around right for the ball last week. So I think we're going to see some of that again uh, against Tennessee in zone coverage. And then number three, I'm actually going to say Derrick Henry. So, I mean, obviously uh, he's the number one priority for the chiefs defense to stop, but I'll say kind of more in a minute while I'm, uh, while I'm putting him this low, I think the biggest thing is with Henry, obviously he's on this monstrous pace and the chiefs defense. If there's any knock on how they're playing right now, it's the run. D. you don't know? Uh, maybe exactly what you're going to get week in and week out. So number two, I'm going to go with actually Patrick Mahomes, and uh, I, I, uh, I don't really want to say a lot of Mahomes. I guess uh, kind of the biggest thing is I think whenever you have him, you're never out of the game. Um, the guy I really want to talk about is Ryan Tannehill, and I put him at number one just because if the Chiefs are able to slow down Henry to a degree and kind of. Um, you know, force Tennessee to alter his game plan. It's going to come down to what Ryan Tannehill can do with his arm. Uh, He's not afraid to take chances and and throw into tight windows, but um, it it could be just a different feeling against Kansas City if he has to do that, you know, uh, going up against that secondary or the pass rush, especially if uh, Chris Jones is back. So uh, to me, I, I think if Tennessee has to alter plans. It's going to be on the shoulders of Tannehill. And um, I'm really interested to see if that happens, uh, what he can do.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting, and who would have thought I was the only one who was going to put Patrick Mahomes number one? But um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's funny when you when you when how these work out. But I actually considered I was like, you know, can I can I put Ryan Tannehill in there because again, this isn't just a you know he could co- go off at any minute, and people point to like his low pass totals the last couple weeks. That wasn't out of a lack of ability; it was just that's how the game plan worked, and and you know, good for them for committing to the game plan I mean a lot of that give credit to Mike Vrabel and the coaching staff for preparing them to do so but um we know that Ryan Tannehill can sling it I mean he has you know the best passer rating in the entire year this year be based on you know playing just uh, what 12 games or whatever but still I mean that's a that's a significant chunk of the season that <laughs> you maintained these numbers so I don't think it was a fluke um I think he has some nice skill players around him I mentioned A.J. Brown in my top five so um. Yeah. Look, I I can buy it, and and you're right. With Patrick Mahomes, you're never really out of it. But at the same time, it's what's going to happen if the, that Tennessee defense plays the game they want to play, and on, on offense they can control the ball, and and the, and and it's not just running, you know, the ball to be able to control the clock. Like that means your quarterback has to make. A couple big time third down throws, or a couple uh, uh, long, uh, second and long situation type throws, where you have to make up those chunk yardage, and then you can go back to the running game. So there, there is a lot on Ryan Tannehill's shoulders, and uh, you know if we know the Chiefs, eventually they're gonna, ha- the Titans are gonna have to throw the ball to match. You know point for point or, or whatever, so uh, I think you made a great point that Ryan Tannehill uh is going to be very important to the success, especially of the Titans. Um, so I do want to go back to you and, and, and ask real quick about the uh status of Chris Jones because I, I should have brought it up before we did our top five players, but uh, I you know, obviously, him being out of the game I think changes things drastically, and I think you would have to sit back and be like, okay how worried are you now that the Titans can really control the clock on offense? So what's the status with Jones now and and what's the,
2: I guess the the projection of whether or not he's going to be out there. So he did not practice uh, yesterday on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. It's more of, it's not really a pain thing is uh, what the report is right now. It's kind of just making sure if he is in a place where he can go on Sunday. So it's kind of a weird thing where he may not even practice this week. If he does play, it's just, uh, keeping his mind and his body right and, and making sure that, um, you know, he's doing everything he can do uh, to play defensive tackle. Basically last week in uh, warm ups he really didn't uh, try to go that long. Couldn't really push off um, of his stance. So uh, the biggest thing is just making sure that, you know, he's reached the point where the team deems that he's uh, good to go. So again, not really a pain thing, but uh, just something that, takes a lot of monitoring for sure from the training staff. Yeah. And,
0: and, and again, I think, uh, cheese fans are certainly waiting to, um, you know, just kind of waiting to see if he's going to be out there because he'll certainly be a big boost to this defense. So, Braden, I want to say thank you very much for joining us. I know we had some uh, technical issues earlier, so we kind of jumped right into this without much of a big introduction, but uh, thank you for uh, participating, and we certainly appreciate the uh, get teaching us a lesson or two, you know, on the Chiefs and all that. So, um, we're not going to ask you for your score because uh, I'm going to try to coax you into coming on Sunday when we do our NFL pregame. We're going <laughs> to put everyone on the spot there because we gotta, we got quite, uh, quite the group of, of managing editors right now that have all these games covered. So we're, we're going to really hopefully save it for that. But tell the folks out there where they can follow you and what you got coming up and uh, your latest episode of the uh, Full Press peace podcast.
2: Yeah, you guys can follow me on, on Twitter at eBearCat9, uh, all one word, lowercase, uh, so on the latest episode of the FPC Ch- Chiefs podcast, I mostly recap the divisional round game, Chiefs comeback versus the Texans, and uh, kind of dove into uh, a little bit of the Tennessee Titans already. I'm hoping to uh, have a guest uh, that covers the Titans on with me on the next episode. That should be out on Friday. And um, so far this week for articles, uh, my latest one, I had kind of a strategic piece looking at how. Maybe the Kansas City defense is looking to counteract the Tennessee O, so I'm going to flip the script for that today with the KCO versus the Tennessee D, and then uh, the game preview should be out on Friday to finish the week. So thank you guys for having me again.
0: Absolutely, and and we appreciate it, and I highly recommend anyone out there that, especially if you're a Chiefs fan, check it out. And, uh, of course, go to uh, fullpresscoverage.com slash Chiefs. Braden, we will talk soon. Have a great day.
2: All right. Thank you, guys.
0: Right. That was Braden That He is our FPC Chiefs Managing Editor. And uh, again, check out his work over at FullPressCoverage.com slash Chiefs. And of course, follow uh, the Chiefs account at FPC underscore Chiefs. So, Mike, we are winding down on yet another day of FPC Radio. And uh, this week has flown
1: by. Flown by. It has. It really has flown by. And I mean, you take a look at what we anticipated was going to be a long, arduous, difficult week for us has really been the opposite. It's been actually it's been pretty fun to be able to sit back and objectively look at these games, you know, not have a a dog in the hunt, so to speak, uh, is, uh, it's a weird feeling, but at the same time, I think it's a different perspective. Something we haven't had in a while, not since 2011, <laughs> humble <brag>. my friend, absolutely. <laughs> two- <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to humble brag it all the time. Not since 2011 have we gone into this weekend and not anticipated seeing the Patriots play in this game, but two great teams, the Titans, the chiefs, this is going to be a very good matchup it's amazing to me that neither one of us had Tannehill in our top five and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Braden put him as number one. And you know what? It makes such sense. You talk about the player that really had the biggest impact on turning this team around, meaning the Tennessee Titans. It makes perfect sense that he would be right at the top of that list. And Tannehill is consistently under the radar. I think that's been his MO all of his career. I think he's finally in a spot where he can show it. Would not shock me to see him have a big game on Sunday.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing too. It's like, I, I, everyone's kind of sleeping on him because he's throwing like 10 passes the last two games and uh yeah you know it it would be unwise to do so because if 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 need be he can tuck the ball and throw the ball so um it'll be interesting to see that now you mentioned 2011 for the patriots the last time you know they were not participating in this uh you know we we uh there there is a certain and i know we we talked about it briefly off the air and i know you mentioned you have yet to watch it but um i did sit down yesterday and watch the entire Mm -hmm. uh aaron hernandez documentary and um Real quick before we get off the air, for any of you out there, I highly recommend it on Netflix. Um, You know, I remember very vividly, you know, living through this and and following the the, the whole story as it kind of unfolded on the news. And and there were some very, uh, you know, they they obviously showed a lot of news clips and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it brought back, you know, very vivid memories of of watching this unfold on TV. I mean, we're both, you know, it was 2013, it wasn't that. you know, it wasn't that long ago. We were still, uh, right. we we were we were still, uh, you know, adults. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> we right. we won't give away our age, but you know, uh, we, we were still very much adults uh, at the time. And uh, <clears throat> look, it, it, it's a it's a fascinating look into just all the events that kind of led up to where where we got to eventually with with Aaron Hernandez and you know the overall feel and reaction that i had was you know look it it was just it was sad on so many levels it was sad for the victims of course i mean first and foremost and this documentary does a good job of 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 reminding us about the victims and telling us about the victims and and letting us learn about odin lloyd and 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 the the two gentlemen in boston um so uh, again i mean it's it's a when documentaries can can relatively show both sides of the story in a in a very professional manner regardless of the subject i mean you know a documentary is supposed to it's supposed to be about information not about uh, opinion necessarily and uh you know again it it could be some gruesome topic about a a horrible human being um but you 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 want to learn about both sides of it and everything like that and i think that documentary does a really good job of it and again it it you know it brings you back to you know again a, a time and place with the patriots that that seemed like such a long time ago and you know it it was fascinating so i highly recommend it i know you mentioned you're going to try to catch it this weekend uh, folks if you're if you have netflix it's about you know 3 to 4 hours it's a three part documentary I, I would sit down uh relax and 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 and, and just watch and and be fascinated like I was because, again, I th- I think it's really started to capture the the attention of a lot of people.
1: Yeah, it truly has the reviews that it's getting are amazing. Uh, in terms of uh, the story that it tells, you mentioned uh, the ability of the story to tell Odin Lloyd and, and the two gentlemen that uh, that you know everybody that lost their lives mm-hmm. as a result of this, and and everybody that was involved in this. Uh, something to really, really keep an eye on, and just an amazing to me, an amazing character study. And I think that's why this subject continues to be so compelling to so many people.
0: Well, I mean just just on the surface, that the whole summary of the. Of the events is just uh, astounding, you know. Professional football player, yada yada yada, um, it, you know. But then you get into the the more intricate parts of it, and it's like obviously we all know that you know his fiance was the girlfriend of Odin Lloyd. You know his fiance's sister was the girlfriend of Odin Lloyd. So you had two sisters on opposite sides of the. Co- it would, it's just it's such a f- fascinating, uh, just. Uh, string of events that occurred at what happened what felt like happened so quickly but just over a span of a few years so uh maybe we'll dive into that a little bit more on monday or tuesday once we're done reacting to championship weekend and once you've watched it and we can really really dissect it from that standpoint but until then we're gonna have to say goodbye to y'all and uh oh my god no <laughs> i just said y'all hiya yeah. uh, all right you know what that that's you know that that freaks me out more than getting gray hairs and losing my hair um, is saying y'all. I'm not, I'm not from the <laughs> South. I'm from the North. So, uh, But no, seriously, we will see you all um, tomorrow, 8 a.m. We're going to have some fun tomorrow. We're going to have some prop bets. We're going to have some bold predictions. And of course, we're going to give our game picks tomorrow on a, a pretty funky and, and wacky Friday edition of Full Press Coverage Radio Live. But in the meantime, be sure to follow the show. It's at FPC Radio Live. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at iglen 31 And he, is at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, folks.